The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. Are you winning whether you feel or think you're winning or not? Let let me ask it again because you might have missed it. Are you winning whether you think or feel you're winning or not? Let let me illustrate before I dive in. Um, Across the globe, students take standardized tests in different subjects, and then the results are compared to see how different countries rank. And uh, after the student takes the test, they have them do a little quick survey. How do you feel or think you did on the test? And here's where America lands, when, or the U.S. lands, when compared with other competitive countries. We are, we do poorly on the test, but you wanna know how our students think they did? Exceptionally. So here's where we excel. We excel in confidence even when we don't excel. Now, before you think that I'm all poo-poo in the U.S., let me give, uh, let me make you feel good, all right? There's a little bit of reason for this. Part of the reason why we do poorly is uh, in the U.S., Everybody takes the test. In most countries, only the best students take the test. All right, so whatever. I'm just trying to make you feel better before I, you know, before I lay the heavy on you, right? But the point is, it really doesn't matter how a student thinks they did on the test. What matters is actually how they did. And there are a lot of people who are going through life thinking they're winning. And they're, and, or, or they're comparing themselves with somebody else. And they're like, that's winning. And so then they think they're doing poorly at life. Regardless of whether you think you're winning or not, there's kind of this universal agreement that at some point the test is going to end. And you're going to have to turn in your test and it's going to be compared and graded by a score sheet. Whether you're a climate alarmist or a conspiracy theorist or a political activist or wherever you land on all the spectrums that we use to judge and label people, people usually and generally agree that at some point this thing is coming to an end, meaning the test is going to be over, the buzzer in the game is going to go off, and all that's going to matter is what's on the test and what's on the scoreboard. And at some point, our life will be graded, evaluated, and it won't really matter how you think you did. So some of you are, you're hanging your head and man, you just feel like you're doing so poorly. It won't matter how you feel. Some of you, you're like the students across the U.S. You think you're rocking it. I mean, you're exceptional. You're better than everyone else on the planet. And then the test will get graded. So let's jump in and let's talk about how the test gets graded in life. This is heavy, right? Like I'm talking about like the whole point of life. So I'm going to tackle this in a few minutes in a sermon. Ready? Buckle up. Here we go. So before I read to you the passage I want to read from the Bible, let me give you the context. Um, This is written by a guy who, by all standards, would not have been considered a winner. He was a thief, he was a cheat, and he was a traitor. So most people would say those are not the qualities you're looking for in somebody who's winning at life. That's right, he was not. He was hired by the Roman Empire to rip off his community 
to steal taxes from them, to fund the Roman armies who were oppressing his neighbors. All right, and then what he would do is he would skim off the top extra to make himself rich. So here's a guy who got rich by ripping off the poor, who's funding the army of the oppressor. Not a nice guy. Okay, then he meets Jesus and everything changes. He walks away from his profession. He gives back to those who he's cheated. His life is radically changed. And later in life, Matthew writes out his eyewitness account of the life and teachings of Jesus. And the the passages that I'm focusing on from his book that he wrote out is the part right before Jesus dies, the last teachings of Jesus that are really focused on principles about how to win at life. So we're going to jump into this one today, Matthew chapter 24. We'll be looking at Matthew 24 and Matthew 25. And he writes, this is Matthew writing the words of Jesus. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. So the point is, like before this incredible world, you know, flood that destroyed everything, everyone's just carrying on, having no thought to the fact that life as we know it is about to come to a dramatic end. Until the day Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. So what's... What's Jesus saying? He goes, most people don't even realize that they're taking a test, and then at some point the timer's gonna go off and you have to turn in the test. Most people don't realize that they're, they're playing a game and the game buzzer's gonna go off and only what's on the scoreboard's gonna matter. Most people are just living life. They're just kind of having fun, just you know, enjoying whatever they can find to enjoy. They're, they're living their life based on what they feel is winning or what they think is winning not recognizing that at the end, life will conclude and then they will be evaluated. And so later Jesus says it this way in his teaching, when the son of man comes in his glory, so this is kind of like when the end happens, when Jesus returns, when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne and then all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people This will be the moment of judgment. He will separate the people one from the other as a shepherd separates sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And the the point is, what Jesus is getting at is when the end comes, everyone's gonna turn in their test and then they're gonna be separated based on the results of that test. And so to the one group that he put on the right, why did they end up on the right? Well, let me, let me jump in and read another passage. He goes, then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed. I want that. You're blessed by the Father, God. Take your inheritance. Man, I want that. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. And the righteous will answer. Meaning what got them on the right is that they were righteous. Now, don't think for a moment this is about politics. This isn't about the right and the left. This is about the right and the wrong. About those who are living righteously and those who are living wickedly. And the the author to the letter of the Hebrews wrote it this way. Man is destined to die once, and after that, will face the grade. 
our test will be graded against the score sheet. It's destined for man to die once and after that to face judgment. The point is, it doesn't matter how you think you're doing. It doesn't matter how you're doing compared to what is politically correct, what is popular, what is acceptable. It doesn't matter how you're doing based on what a woke culture says. It doesn't matter how you're doing based on comparing yourself to your peers. Are you better than or worse than? It doesn't matter if you think you're good enough. It matters what God says is winning. So how do I live my life in light of what God says is winning? Here's the key. Live what God says is right, even if the world around you says it's wrong. In the end, it won't matter what anybody else says, but God. And so my goal in winning at life is to live what God says is right, even if the world around me says it's wrong. Another way of saying it is live right no matter what's wrong around you. Some of you, you've allowed a post or a comment or tension, turmoil. You've allowed, you've allowed a pandemic to cause you to turn down some wrong paths. And the challenge for us is to live right no matter what is wrong around us. See, we're not going to be judged, evaluated, graded. The scoreboard, what won't be on the scoreboard is was I better than someone else or worse than someone else? It won't matter if I think I'm good enough based on my own standard. The standard will be perfection. That's it. Was I perfect on the test? So I will be judged. What will, what will be evaluated is perfection judged by a perfect God. Some of you, you're, you're putting your head down. You're trying to wait for an opportunity to sneak out. You're, you're, you're joining us online and you're in just a moment you want to click off. Don't. Just let me say one more thing, all right? Because here's the deal. What you're expecting is judgment from me or from the church. And you, you're used to hearing condemnation and judgment. Where, where, where a preacher or somebody saying, you're bad. You're going to be judged. That's not what I'm going to say. I'm going to say, we're all bad. We're all judged. We're all imperfect. We all failed the test. If, if the only way to pass the test, the only way to end up on the right is perfect, all of us are not perfect. We all blew it. We all got at least one wrong. Now, I know why Americans, you know, why a lot of us, because when I took the test, I was one of those kids, like, I knew, I knew how to do the test. I could get the answers. I just enjoyed filling in the blanks, the little bubbles, in designs. <laughs> so, like, I was, I was just having fun taking the test. I didn't know what the point of the test was. It wasn't going to affect me at all. And so I was like, let's have fun. Draw little squigglies, make smiley faces. Who cares, right? And, and, and the challenge is some of us are living life like that. You're just having fun with the test. You, you think it's just, not just a game. You're like, life is what I want to get out of it. Winning is what I determine is winning. But here's the deal. We will be judged based on a perfect standard of a perfect God. And all of us will have been found to have failed. To have fallen short. We did not achieve perfection. 
And that's scary because the reason why Jesus is drawing this out is to help all of us understand that every one of us are far worse than we could have ever imagined. Jesus says it this way. What happens to those that don't pass the test? Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me. You who are cursed, I don't want that. Into eternal fire, prepare for the devil and his angels. Like Jesus is literally saying to people, go to hell. That's horrible. Are we even allowed to say that? I don't know. But here's what I hear. It's like, it's like this really terrible thing. He's like, those of you on the right, you're righteous. Enjoy paradise prepared for you. The kingdom prepared for you before the world even began. Oh, those of you that failed the test, you got one wrong, sorry, get out of my sight, go to hell. I don't want that. So what are we doing? What am I talking about? What does it mean to win? The only way I'm gonna win, the only way I'm gonna end up on the right path is if I first understand that I've been living on the wrong path. I'm not passing the test. I'm failing, which means I have to come to the place in life where I accept that I am worse than I imagined. The way Tim Keller wrote it was this. We are far worse than we ever imagined and far more loved than we could ever dream. That's the good news. That's why I didn't want you to click off. That's why I didn't want you to stop listening because I wanted you to hear that second part. Yes, every one of us have failed. Every one of us blew it. Every one of us have an imperfect score. Every one of us are cursed and condemned and sentenced to death forever. I don't want that. And then Jesus goes like this. All right, here's the deal. If you're taking the test, you're going to fail. If you let me take the test for you, you'll get a perfect score every time. So the key is not how well you did on the test. The key is whether you took the test or you gave your test to Jesus. Because here's what Jesus did. He stepped from heaven to earth, came into this life to take the, the punishment of sin on himself. Sin, which produces the curse and the condemnation and the eternal death sentence. He takes it on himself. He absorbs the eternal judgment for every one of us so that any one of us who believe in Jesus by faith is forgiven. What we're doing is when you believe in Jesus by faith, you give Jesus your score sheet. And he goes through every question that you got wrong and he puts his right answer in there. It's his answers. It's his, it becomes his test, his score sheet. Then he turns in his score sheet on your behalf so that when you are judged in eternity, God sees Jesus. And for every person who, when they turn it in, it says, Jesus, you get, you get a pass into eternity. God doesn't remove judgment. He received judgment for you and I. He was judged on your behalf and my behalf. He was sentenced to death for you and me. He, he absorbed our eternal death sentence so that no one ever again would have to be judged by their own test-taking abilities, but could re- re- give it to God and say, God, it's not me. I can't earn it. I don't deserve it. I didn't do very good on my own, but Jesus did it for me. And God says, I accept that. Come on in to paradise prepared for you before before I even made the world. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm tired of taking tests. 
and I'm tired of trying to compete and compare and see how I'm doing compared to everybody else. I'm trying to keep up with the standards of the world around me. Everyone's saying, well, you got to say this, you got to do this. The only way you're going to be accepted in the world around you if you talk like this and you think like this and you act like this and you vote like this. And I go, I can't keep up. God, help. I give you my test. He says, I'll take it. I'll accept Jesus on your behalf. And so for any one of you, maybe you don't feel like you're winning and so you're willing to turn the test in. Or you think, like, you think you're winning compared to everyone else, but you know it's not perfect. You need Jesus. And for those of you that are taking that step of faith today, I beg you, stop. Stop trying to answer the questions. Just give your test to Jesus. Let him accept you. Believe in him by faith. Allow him to forgive you of sin and give you new and forever life. And if you're making that commitment, would you let us know? Text the name Jesus to 81411. We'll send you a quick link so that you can, so that you can kind of um, get some tools as you begin this new journey of faith in Jesus Christ. Here's what happens. When you give God your test, and you're accepted by God, he makes you right. You're made perfect in the eyes of God. Now you're no longer living to take a test. You're no longer playing the game everyone else is playing. You now begin to live different. So here's, the, here's what I want to stick in your mind. I am made right by God to live right for God. I'm made right by God to live right for God. Because I'm no longer living to compete and compare and try to live up to some arbitrary standard by the world, now I know that I'm made right by God and the only one I'm living to impress is God himself. And I don't even have to impress him. I just have to obey him. So now I'm made right by God to live right for God. You're made right to live right. And when you live right, your life becomes a light of God's love. Let's jump back into the teaching of Jesus. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. God has been getting ready for those that he got ready for eternity. You get it? God prepared a place for those that are prepared for him. Right living is living prepared. Heaven is a prepared place for those that are prepared. Living, right living is living prepared, which means living ready. I'm not trying to live right to impress anyone. I'm not trying to live right because I'm trying to measure up to the perfect standards of God. I'll never measure up. I'll never earn it. I'll never deserve it. God made me right. He gives me grace. He forgives me of sin. And because I'm forgiven, because I'm made right, I just want to do whatever God wants me to do. And when I don't, I want to make it right. <laughs> um, we're, we're painting a bedroom. We were painting a bedroom in my house uh, this past week. It took me a couple days to do it because I'm doing it in the evenings. And um, so I, I got the, we got the paint picked out. We, wanted, we had a, a room that was for our girls, and now the boys are living in it, and so, you know, we want to look like a boy's room. So I got the paint, 
put it in the room, get the paintbrushes, roller, everything, got everything set up. But because it was taking me a couple days at night, I had to leave everything. And I knew enough, like I took the hammers, because you know, cleaning stuff up, fixing stuff. I took the hammers and the scrapers, anything that could be used as a weapon, I took out of the room. And then I locked the door because I figured my boys, like little ninja thieves, would break in, and at least there's nothing they could use to hurt each other or destroy anything. And uh, so, just like I imagined they did, somehow, my four-year-old gets in the room, figures out how to open the paint can. What? Brings the paint can in his brother's room, opens it, gets the paintbrush, starts painting the walls. And he's having all kinds of fun. I mean, he's having, he doesn't even know. He's like, like oblivious, like this is such a good time. So many of us are painting the wrong walls with the paintbrush we shouldn't be in, paint we shouldn't be using, making a mess, having a good time. Just like Jesus said, right? It, it would be just like the time of Noah. People be going through life laughing, splashing paint, thinking it's a modern art form, having a good time. Brother's laughing until brother goes, daddy. Early in the morning, I wasn't ready to get out of bed. Saturday morning, give me one day to sleep in. I know it, I know it's coming. I get up, I come walk in a room and there's paint dripping down the wall, paint on this wall. He had stashed the paintbrush under the bed. You do it too. You get caught red-handed, so you hide it and you try to cover up. God, no, 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 I, what? He's got paint all over his hands, you do too. And the longer you take to let God know, he knows, but the longer you take to confess it, the more it dries, the more firmly it embeds itself into your life and the harder it is to get out. Thank goodness that my six-year-old called for daddy quick because I was able to get a a washcloth, get warm water and wipe it all. I, I was able to get it off really quick. Now he's still getting in trouble. Here's the thing. He wasn't living prepared. He wasn't living ready for daddy to walk in the door. He was doing his own thing by his own sinner, having a good time based on what he thought was winning at 6.30 in the morning. So many of us are going through life living based on what we think is winning, not ready for God to walk in the door in return. The son of man will come. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 25, verse 13. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour when the son of man will return with his angels and divide us. And he's going to find some with tan paint all over their hands, paint dripping down the wall and a brush stashed under the bed. Am I saying this to condemn or to judge just the opposite? To say right now, cry out, Abba, Daddy, Father, would you come clean up my mess? If your hands are filthy, I know a Jesus who knows how to wash him. If the, if, the ha- if the walls in your house are mess, if there's stains in the carpet of your heart, I know a God who knows how to wash it, who knows how to clean. He knows how to transform your life so that you're ready for his return, so that you're prepared when the, when the father walks in the room. I want to talk for a moment just to parents. I've seen so much on the news about young people doing horrific things. Moms and dads, you have a tough job. You have a really hard job. 
I got three little boys, two, four, and six at home. It's hard. So if you ever need to feel good about your parenting, just talk to me and my wife. We'll make you feel really good. You have a hard job to do. We discipline. We discipline. Oh, I would almost like, I'm thinking like the right word, like ferociously, aggressively. You want to know why? Not just so my kids behave and don't paint my walls. Who cares, right? I discipline them because I know that someday they're going to grow up. I'm trying to guide them to respect authority. I mean, our nation could learn a little bit of respect for authority, couldn't it? But I don't just want them to respect authority. I want them to respect life, how precious life is. And I want them to be ready to stand before God Almighty. See, I discipline my kids not so they respect daddy, but so that they respect God the Father. I want to teach them to live well and live right so they're prepared for eternity. Live ready for eternity. How do you do that? First, repent. This is, Daddy, I made a mess. Repentance is not just saying I'm sorry, though. Repentance means I was going this way, and it's turning and going this way. It's not just cleaning up the mess. It's not making another mess. It's going in the opposite direction. Additionally, it's keeping watch. I read the verse to you. He said, keep watch because he will return and come in an hour a day when you don't know. Keep watch means you're, you're watching. You're ready. You ever know this like when you're going on a trip? You get, maybe you're getting ready to go on vacation or you're going to go somewhere, do something a little different than your normal. Maybe you're a guy and you're getting ready to go hunting and you set your alarm for 3.30 in the morning. You ever notice that you wake up at like 3.20? It's like your internal clock. You're getting ready to go on vacation. You got to get up at, you, know, you got to catch the flight. You got to get up at, you know, 5 a.m. And you wake up at 4.40, 4.55. That's your body keeping watch. Somewhere your internal clock goes, it's almost here. It's almost here. And you got up at 2 and you got up at 2.30 and you got up at 3. And then you got up at 3.20 before the alarm went off. Why? Because your, your internal clock is keeping watch. It's, it's, it's constantly aware that the alarm clock's going to go off. That's what he's saying. Stay ready for the alarm clock going off. Don't live in fear. In fact, live fearlessly, but always live in light of eternity. And then finally, keep a short list with God. What this means is, look, I want to spend time every day in prayer, in the Bible, in worship. If you miss praying one day, just don't miss praying the next day. If, if, you, if you had something that wasn't right in your heart with God today, just don't let it be right. Don't let it be off tomorrow. Keep a short list. Repent. Ask God to forgive you. Keep your heart clean. Don't let things pile up. Don't let too much um, seed of weeds get planted in your heart. Pluck them out constantly. God, forgive me of this because what I'm doing is I'm living right because I'm living prepared. All right, let, let me give you a, a challenge. Let me, let me read this passage of scripture. It's, it's from Matthew chapter 7. Jesus is speaking. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many, are, many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. My, my son, <laughs> the one who said, Daddy, he's in kindergarten. He came home with this little uh, homework sheet that he had to correct because he got some of the answers wrong. And as we were helping him correct it, he goes, I don't understand why, why I have to correct this. It's because you got it wrong. Your teacher told you you have to get it correct. You have to correct it. He goes, well, and he said the kid's name. She, she got it wrong. I mean, she, that was her answer. 
How'd you know that? Well, because I looked. What? Did you look before you put that answer on? Yeah. So then we had to get a whole teaching about cheating and you don't steal people's answers. And trust me, we, we had to discipline him. The point is, if everyone is going that way, it doesn't make it right. She got it wrong too. And you might have a whole bunch of people around you that are all going in the wrong way. And you think because there's somebody next to you, you're getting it right. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to life. Right living stands out. That's the key. I don't care what everyone else has on the test sheet. Right living stands out. So here it is. He says he'll separate the, the, the sheep from the goats to his right, to his left, toward the, the righteous versus the wicked, toward life, toward death, toward eternal paradise, toward eternal destruction. Right living stands out. It means that, listen to me carefully, stop believing that if you're going with what everyone else thinks, if it's popular, if it's, if it's acceptable on social media, if it's acceptable in our culture, if everyone agrees with you, you're probably going the broad way of destruction. Listen to me carefully. If you're going the way everyone else is going, it's the broad way of destruction. Now, let me turn. If you're going the narrow way, stop trying to make it sound popular. It doesn't need to look cool. You don't have to try to sound like we've got a better party over here. We got cooler graphics and better social media. No, no, no. You know what we have over here? Life. Death. Eternal paradise. Eternal destruction. My goal is not to make the way of life look cooler. I just want you to know it's life. It stands out. This is hard. This is hard for you because standing out means being separate, going in the opposite direction, saying something different than everyone else is saying, believing something different than so many other people believe and it makes you separate. You don't fit in sounds like a pep rally initially until you have to live it out and it becomes uncomfortable. And if it's hard for you, it's even harder for your kids. So what they need are, is you and other adults who love Jesus cheering them on and saying, stay the course. You're going in the right way. Live right and you'll stand out. You'll stand out even when you don't want to stand out. So stand up and be different. Let me read you a letter. Probably the best letter I could ever, or the best thing I could ever give you to capture the picture of standing out as a follower of Jesus. It's written by a pastor from Zimbabwe. We don't know really anything about him other than that shortly after he wrote this, he was killed, martyred for his faith in Jesus. I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have the Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of his. 
I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I am finished and done with low living, sight walking, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tame vision, worldly talking, cheap giving, and dwarfed goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudits, or popularity. I don't have to be right first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith, lean on his presence, walk by patience, am uplifted by prayer, and labor with power. My face is set. My gate is fast. My goal is heaven. My road is narrow. My way is rough. My companions are few. My guide is reliable. My mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of the enemy, pander at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, or let up until I've stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, preached up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus. I must keep going until he comes, give until I drop, preach until I'll know, and work until he stops me. And when he comes for his own, he will have no problem recognizing me. My banner will be clear. I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. Living right will make you stand out. And sometimes standing out when it's unpopular will not feel great. Sometimes living right and standing out makes you a light in darkness, a light to others. Regardless of the response of those around you, live right. He's already given you a perfect score sheet. So you're not living to pass the test. You're not living to to be labeled as winning. You're living because you were made right by God to live right for God. So I want to challenge and invite you simply. Where do you need to way and you need to turn repent and make it right where are you struggling because of what others around you are saying and doing and believing and you need to now hold your ground firmly and be fully devoted to Jesus be willing to stand out allow me just to take a moment and pray over you as you pray as you repent as you keep watching your heart, as you keep a short list with God, you take a moment, you make sure there's nothing separating you from God. And then allow me just to take a moment and pray over you. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you didn't leave us on a broad course toward destruction. You took the curse on yourself. You absorbed our eternal judgment and you offered us life. So God, today we accept life. We accept your perfection. Now help us to live the way you're inviting us to live. Even if it means that we have to stand up and stand out. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.